All right. Good job, everybody. A special congratulations tonight to the men who won Bible Jeopardy. They, they got back on top through a miracle, really. It's nothing short of a miracle. The women had stuck it to them throughout all of Jeopardy, and they had hung on to stay just within striking distance. And on the final Jeopardy question, the men prevailed. For those of you that weren't here, the final Jeopardy question was... In 1 Kings chapter 17, God sent Elijah to this place to meet a widow there. What was the name of the place? And the men got it right. They were paying attention this morning. It was Zarephath. And so uh, congratulations to the men. Uh, the women, have they, they're coming back with a vengeance next time we play, though, I think. And so Michelle may set up the game for us next time in the questions. So, and uh, so be prepared. She says she's going to make them hard. So. All right, Exodus chapter 22. Exodus 22. Yeah, the men were talking big after winning tonight, so they may, Michelle may stick it to us next time we play. I'll have to make your game too. Dang. Exodus 22, verses 1 through 6. We won't read every verse in the chapter tonight. I'll give you all a break. We read a lot of verses last week, but I'm going to... Uh, give you all a break this time, but I will encourage you to please read it. Read uh, through chapter 22 this this week uh, if you have a chance. More laws, that's what we're talking about tonight. We've been talking about as God had given the law uh, to the people of Israel, He's giving them some instruction. He's given them lots of different laws and lots of things uh, that they should do, and we've talked about some of those things throughout the last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, we talked about, in particular, uh, uh, the laws of slavery and the laws... Uh, uh, dang, I'm drawing a blank of what we, what we talked about after that. I'm, I'm not a very good preacher. Uh, uh, laws of slavery and laws of... Um, uh... <laughs> well, I guess I don't remember. Ma'am? Oh, the death penalty. Okay, it's back now. Dang, I draw a blank. That's a bad... Talk about drawing a blank, Jennings, not remembering what you want to say half the time. That's bad when you're a preacher. All right, let's, re, let's rewind and pretend like that didn't happen. In the last couple of weeks, uh, we've talked about slavery and we've talked about the death penalty. And those, those sermons were more of a teaching than a preaching because as we look at these Old Testament laws, we, we need to see how they affect us in our culture in our day. And are we to take these things literally or, or what are we to do with these laws when we talk about things such as slavery? Is it, is it justified in our day and age today? And we talked about uh, that, that, look, if we, if we take God's word that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves, it's hard for me at least to reconcile that, that, that you could enslave someone or own them and, and mistreat them. And we talked a little bit about that, that uh, that's probably not a good practice for us. If we are enslaving someone... Uh, we probably don't look at them as equal. And so even though uh, slavery was allowed in the Old Testament and even really not condemned in the New Testament, I don't believe that that's God's desire for us, that we would own other people, but that we would treat people equally, uh, not even in a sense of, of having them working for us, not that there's anything wrong with people working for us, but uh, look, we do that because we love people and we want to help them out, not because we want to own them or, or that they are to owe us something. So we talked about uh, slavery then, and, and, and maybe that it doesn't apply to us in the same way now. And then last week we talked about, or week before last, we talked about the death penalty. We talked about the severity of the literalness of, of the death penalty in the Old Testament. And 
The question is, well, do we as Christians live by that today? Well, of course we don't. If we did, we would probably all stone each other because we don't observe the Sabbath or we don't do this or we don't do that or whatever it may be uh, that, 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 that called for death in the Old Testament. We don't do those things. Jesus has shown us a better way. Even Jesus himself, we looked at the example uh, where the woman caught in adultery was brought to Jesus. And while the law called for stoning, Jesus didn't say stoner. He said, does anybody else, uh, you know, who without sin here cast the first stone? And nobody cast a stone. And he didn't condone her behavior, but he said, go and sin no more. And so even Jesus dealt with what was punishable by death in the law by showing grace. And I think he gives us that example. We also talked about how in our day and age that we see in the New Testament that God puts governments in control, that he puts authorities in control and gives them the sword, the text says in Romans. Uh, so we, we trust our leaders. While they may not always be the best leaders or we may have leaders that may not do things that are the best for the country, God puts people in charge and leadership. They make the laws and so we abide by those laws. We are different than Israel. We are not Israel. These were laws that were given to the nation of Israel, and part of that could have been because they didn't have a king of their own, and they didn't have a people of their own, and they needed some instruction to go by. They weren't like the other nations, and God didn't want them to be like the other nations, so he gives them specific instructions. And so these instructions were to Israel, uh, some of them quite literally, and God uh, gives us some different instructions in this day and age. That is, uh, the government determines what the laws are, and we uh, as Christians, we follow what the government uh, calls us to as long as it's within reason. And so we talked about that in the last couple of weeks about uh, different uh, types of laws and maybe what they look like then and look, look like now. And we are continuing on uh, tonight in that same theme. Uh, this is not so much a, a preaching necessarily on all these verses, but more so a teaching on what do we do with the law. Because we talk about the law a lot. We see that a lot in the New Testament, and, and I've preached on it many times. It often comes up because it's often uh, talked about in the New Testament. And we see it uh, quite frequently in the Old Testament, and particularly at the beginning of the Old Testament. So, so what do we make about all these laws, and how do we wrap our head around it? So maybe we can get a little more understanding as we read the text tonight and talk for a little bit. So let's pray, and we'll jump in. God, we thank you for your words, and that was a lot of talking, dear Lord, to open up, and I pray that you help me not to ramble on and, and bore the people, dear Lord, or make things confusing. But God, we want to understand, so help me to be able to preach and teach in a way that's going to shed light on it, that we can understand your word and understand all these laws, God, and what should we do and not do, and what is for Israel, and what is for us, and is it all for us, God? Help us to kind of make heads or tails of what your word says and, and see the heart of what the law says and what your word says. So just be with me tonight. Help me to be able to present your word and preach and teach in a way that's going to be uh, understandable to each one of us and going to bring glory to you and bring all the focus to Jesus Christ, God. And we just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If I had to, to, to kind of sum up uh, Exodus 22, I would say that it gives some pretty practical advice dealing with civil laws. That is, if there are things that are done wrong, here's how you need to deal with them. And it's very practical when you look at what's, what's called upon, the penalty that has to be paid for whatever may take place. It's things that anybody with common sense can say, yeah, this is the right thing to do. And so we see some of these practical laws here in Exodus 22. Starting in verse 1, it says, When a man steals an ox or a sheep and butchers it, 
or sells it, he must repay five cattle for the ox or four sheep for the sheep. That's pretty practical advice. If somebody steals somebody's property, in this case a sheep or an ox, then they have to repay more than, than the one thing that they had stolen. Now, why it's five ox and four sheep there, I don't know, but that's what God uh, implemented, and that's what God intended for the Israelites to follow. The point being is that it's not okay to steal somebody else's stuff. If you steal what doesn't belong to you, there's going to be a penalty to pay, and a pretty steep penalty. It would have been better for the person stealing the sheep to go out and just buy one sheep. Now they're going to have to either give up four of their own sheep or go out and make enough money to, to buy the sheep to repay the person of whom they stole the sheep from. In verse 2, If a thief is caught in the act of breaking in and he is beaten to death, no one is guilty of bloodshed. Now, that's pretty, pretty self-explanatory. God allows for some self-defense there. He said, look, if somebody is caught breaking into your house and you happen to kill them, now we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be uh, a trigger happy and just waiting for somebody to come in so that we can shoot them. I hope that it never comes to that in my life. I hope that I never would have to harm anybody. But when it comes down to it, if my wife is in harm or if our families are in harm, <laughs> We are called, I believe, to protect our families within reason. And hopefully it would never come to the point that we would have to kill someone. But even if it came to that, in the Old Testament law here, God gives you know, the people some instruction that if somebody breaks in uh, and you, you, you kill them, uh, it's, it's okay if you were defending yourself because you didn't know what was going on as we uh, see here uh, in verse 3. But if this happens after sunrise, there is guilt of bloodshed. Now, isn't that interesting that there's that little clause there? So if a, if a thief breaks in at night and you, and you beat that thief and he dies, you're not guilty of taking that thief's life. But there's this little clause there that if it happens after the sun comes up, then you are guilty. Now, that's an interesting clause. Perhaps it's because at night you can't see well. You don't know what's going on. You don't know what the possible danger could be. You can't see who it is. You can't see what they've got. You don't know. And so you do whatever it takes because you don't want to take a chance that that thief may harm you or may harm your family. And if at night you can't see well, you don't know what's going on, you're justified in doing whatever it takes to protect your family, but not in the daytime. Perhaps this cause is there because you can see the person. You can tell instantly whether or not you are in any grave danger. Perhaps you know who the person is. Perhaps upon them seeing you and know that you know they're there, they will flee. And so uh, he gives a little clause there that, look, if you need to defend yourself, defend yourself. But if it's in the daytime, then you will be guilty if you do something that you shouldn't do and take the thief's life. Reading a little further, a thief must make full restitution if he is unable. He is to be sold because of his theft. If what was stolen, whether ox, donkey, or sheep, is actually found alive in his possession, he must repay double. Again, very practical uh, advice here for how to deal with thieves and how to deal with these situations that may arise among the people. Reading a little further uh, in verse 5, When a man lets a field or vineyard be gazed in and then allows his animals to go and graze in someone else's field, he must repay with the best of his own field, our vineyard. Again, that's pretty self-explanatory. If you've got some land and your animals have grazed on your land, there's no more grass for them, well then too bad. 
you can't just let them go and eat the neighbor's grass, the land that they have prepared, eat their garden, eat their crops, whatever it is. You can't do that. You have to maintain your own land and take care of your animals as best you can. And if you let uh, your animals go and eat somebody else's crops and fields or whatever it may be, then you have to repay for that with the best of your own fields. So let's go a little further and see what it says. When a fire gets out of control, spreads to thorn bushes, and consumes stacks of cut grain, standing grain, or a field, the one who started the fire must make full restitution for what was burned. Pretty practical advice there. Be careful when you're burning off your fields. You don't want it to go into your neighbor's property and burn something on their property. If it does, you're responsible for that. You're responsible for the fire that you set. That's good practical advice for us today. You don't want people to go outside and just start a fire and let it go. That's why we uh, see uh, restrictions on burning at certain times of year, especially when it's not rained for a while, when there's a drought, because that fire could get out of control and burn someone's field or crops, or even worse, burn their house down. And so the person who is in charge of starting the fire needs to keep it in check. If it gets out of check, that person needs to repay uh, whatever is necessary. Now, chapter 22 here goes on and gives us more examples of very practical advice just like this. These laws are good for us to live by today. These laws are good for us to follow. That is, if we do something that brings harm to somebody else, hopefully we don't steal from them or, or willingly let our cattle graze on their land. Uh, but even if it's something accidental, like a fire getting out, we need to do what we can to repay the person if it's our fault that, that, that there has been some damage to someone else's property. And so we see these very practical laws. When we talk about the laws of the Old Testament, I think it's important for us to understand, uh, one, that these laws were to the nation of Israel, and we are not the nation of Israel, but two, that there seems to be some distinction between the laws. Now, the Bible doesn't say that there are three types of laws, but typically if you are uh, reading and different scholars and different theologians, usually they categorize the law in three different ways. And I believe that it's, it is helpful for us to do so. Even though the Bible may not use these terms and phrases, I do believe that we can clearly see uh, that there are some differences and distinction in the types of laws that God has given. Uh, some of the law in the Old Testament would fall into the category of moral law. That is, there are some things that are morally wrong, that God says that they are wrong in the Old Testament, and that has not changed because it is what God says is wrong. That, does not, that did not change when Jesus died on the cross. Sin is still sin, and there are things that are morally wrong for all people to do, and God spells those things out. In particular, in the Ten Commandments, we see that we're not supposed to lie, we're not supposed to steal, we're not supposed to commit adultery, all these things. These are sinful things. These were sinful back when God gave them to the Israelites, and they are sinful for us today too. Uh, so that would be under the category of the moral law. And those things don't change and will never change until we uh, leave this earth. You also have in the Old Testament the ceremonial law. Now the ceremonial law, that has to do with all those sacrifices that they did, all those animals that they would sacrifice, and, and all for the atonement for their sin, for the forgiveness of their sins. Uh, there were things that were ceremonial that they had to do repeatedly, and uh, those things were for the nation of Israel. 
But Jesus Christ fulfilled what was required. We see that in Hebrews. I know I say that all the time, but the, the blood of goats and bulls was never going to be good enough to cover our sins. So praise the Lord. We don't have to do all that ceremonial stuff. We don't have to come, and we don't have to sacrifice all these different animals. I thank God all the time. It'd be horrible if I was a preacher, and all of y'all were coming to me, and I had to sacrifice this animal and that animal. and had to do it daily, and I, you know, every week and every year. Golly, that would be so horrible. But praise the Lord that Jesus Christ has freed us from that. So that part of the law, Jesus has fulfilled for us. He has been the ultimate sacrifice on our behalf. Another category that the law is sometimes split into is the civil law. And that's what we looked at tonight. We've talked about the civil law. Now, God gave these laws to the Israelites so that there would be some, some order among the people. So that people wouldn't just steal from each other and take from each other and abuse one another and, and hurt one another. If God had not given any instructions or any laws for the people, could you imagine what it would have been like? It would have been horrible. Everybody would have just stole from everybody. You get mad at somebody, you would have killed them. There would have been no consequences. So God knows the hardness of our hearts. He knows that we are, are bad, evil people. And he knows that we need some guidelines to go by. We need some laws to follow. And there also has to be consequences to those laws. Now, many of these things that we see listed in the Old Testament are some of our laws that we see today. They're some of the same ideas and themes that we see in our law today. And praise the Lord that we have those uh, civil laws. So when we talk about the law in the Old Testament, I think it's important for us to see, one, how they applied to Israel, but two, what, how they have been fulfilled in some way in Jesus Christ. And, and, and in another way, we see how God has given us a, a new way in the New Testament. That is by the, the government that we serve that, that provides laws for us. Praise God that we have a pretty good government here in the United States, not one that abuses us or is out to get us or take advantage of us. There are plenty of people in this world today that do not have a government that sets uh, good laws before them, that don't care about their people. And so we need to be mindful when we read God's Word and really be pray prayerful when we, when we look at these laws. The reason why, it's, why I've kind of talked about this the last couple of weeks and, and wanted to dive into this is because it's important for us as Christians to understand the law and what things that we are freed from and what things we don't have to do anymore because we face people in this world today and oftentimes the argument against Christians for non-Christians may be, well, the Bible says this, why don't you do it? Oh, so you just pick and choose what you want to do in God's Word. Well, no, it's because we understand God's Word and we understand the freedom that we have in Christ, and we understand that God calls us to something better than what uh, the Israelites were called to in the Old Testament, that God has provided a better way through Jesus Christ. And we uh, face these arguments of people saying, well, why don't you follow what the Old Testament says, like you wear fiber of two different kinds of fabric, or why don't you uh, use the death penalty because so-and-so didn't come to church? Or have you ever missed church on a, on a Sabbath? Have you ever, or maybe not missed church, have you ever not observed the Sabbath? Well, that's by the death penalty. So are you going to do what the law says or are you going to do what, not what the law says? And so we need to understand and we need to be uh, prepared in some way to kind of understand that, look, the law is, is pretty specific to the people of Israel. But we also see what Jesus taught in the New Testament. 
In many ways, he called us to something uh, much greater than what the law ever stated. We see that in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we see about adultery. Jesus is dealing with adultery, but Jesus says even the thought to look at a, at a woman or a man lustfully, we've done the same thing even if we haven't committed uh, the act physically. So the heart of the law calls us to something uh, much deeper. And so we don't ever want to get into the, uh, into the trap of following the letter of law, but trying to understand uh, the intent of the law. Trying to understand, one, that God uh, has freed us through Jesus Christ from having to do all the ceremonial things. But realizing that, hey, these civil laws that God gave to the people of Israel, well, we're not the people of Israel, but God gives us a governing body that provides laws to us. And that the things that God says are morally wrong in the Old Testament are still morally wrong for us today, and that is never going to change. And so God gives us good instruction, and we need to be mindful when we're talking about Israel to see the differences of why God called things uh, the way he did then and the culture that we live in now and how uh, God may do things different since uh, Jesus Christ has come into the picture. It's very confusing sometimes possibly when we look at these laws, but let's be prayerful. Anytime you read about the law, whether it's in the Old Testament or the New Testament, let's be prayerful that God would reveal to us and help us to understand, help us to, to, to make sense of these things. So when people come against us and say, oh, well, you need to live that way, we need to be able to defend our faith and say, look, Jesus called us to something better. Jesus called us to grace. Jesus called us to mercy. It's not that we are okaying sin or saying that this sin is okay or that that sin is okay, but we want to be able to properly discern God's Word. We want to be able to properly interpret God's Word, and we, we get that through the Holy Spirit, through reading the text and through praying that God would help us to understand the text. So when we read these laws, it may be, it, it, it may be that we, we just say, oh, I'm just going to skip over all this stuff, but we need to see what the law said. There's some good practical stuff there. Well, we also need, what, need to see what the law required for our sinfulness. There was great sacrifice that was required. And when we see that in the Old Testament, we see just how serious sin was to God. And it should make us appreciate the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that much more. That Jesus Christ fulfilled everything uh, that God had called us to. All these hoops that the Old Testament uh, Israelites had to jump through, we have been freed from through Jesus Christ. So let us be obedient to, to live by the morals that God calls us to, to do what God calls us to, to not be caught in those sinful things that God says are sinful. But let us also uh, know the grace that we've received and be willing to give that grace to others that we encounter, to know that we don't have to stone people, but that we can show them grace and we can show them the love of Jesus Christ and let them know that there is forgiveness of sins. We've received it, and we need others to see what we've received so they can receive the same thing. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you tonight, and I thank you for your words, and I pray that you help us just to be able to discern. It's kind of some, some heavy stuff when we start talking about these laws and trying to make sense of them or heads or tails of them, dear Lord. Uh, but, w but we want to understand what they say. So help us, dear Lord. Help us to read your word and be about your word, God. Help us to see the practical ways that you were trying to take care of your people, Israel. Help us to see that your concern was so that they wouldn't turn to false idols, dear Lord, that they wouldn't uh, give in to sinfulness, that they would love you most and first and foremost, and that they would love each other equally, dear Lord. So let us, let us live in that same way, to follow the greatest commands, God, to love you with all our heart, and love other people as ourselves. God, let us trust our government as they, as they make laws and put things into place for us, dear Lord, even though they don't like it. I pray that you would help our leadership 
to do things that are going to be for the good of the people, that are going to help protect people, that is going to bring justice when justice needs to be served, dear Lord. But help us not to get involved or fall into the trap of, of reading the Old Testament and maybe being a little too judgmental and trying to justify our attitudes toward a certain people or certain things, dear Lord God. It's not that we want to overlook sin, but we do want to bring some grace. We want to bring the truth, but we want to bring it in love. So God, help us to do that. Help us to see that in your word. Help us to see how Jesus does that in the New Testament. Help us to see what your intention was with the law and your people in the Old Testament. And help us to draw closer to you and be a light to the world for you as we go into this world. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen.